Hello, are you there? This is an underground transmission from the Papa PhD headquarters. I'm interrupting the regular show just to tell you that Papa PhD needs your help. And you can help in two ways. Right now, you can find Papa PhD on Patreon or on Buy Me a Coffee. By joining the Papa PhD community in any of those platforms, you will be effectively helping produce the show. You will also receive a set of the brand new Papa PhD and PhD Dojo stickers as a token of my gratitude. Another way you can contribute is if you simply want to help produce the show. A podcast has many moving parts, and if there's one of them that you might want to help me with, just reach out at david at papaphd.com. This is the end of this underground transmission. And now for my conversation with Elena Rister. Because I wanted to be faculty, right? Like, I wanted to have a lab. Like, I wanted my students in my lab to, like, never have to feel inadequate because I was going to give them all the training they needed to do their research, and it was going to be awesome. And things outside of my control basically made that path impossible. So I had to really come back to what do I love? What do I want to do with my life? Um, And that really made me want to slow down. And then I made the switch from wanting to give the answers I thought people wanted to giving my real self. That was like the biggest switch between when I started my postdoc and then when I did those interviews I talked about earlier, because I was just like, this is who I am. And if you don't like who I am, then I'm probably not gonna like working for you. You might not like my brand and that's perfectly fine because I'm probably not gonna be the best person to help you if you don't like my brand but I'm going to be me. Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. Welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD. Today I have the pleasure of having with me Elena Rister. Elena earned her PhD in chemistry in 2019. Since then, she's been a postdoctoral scholar and research specialist. However, throughout her experience, Elena realized that many researchers were stressed because they didn't have support and felt overwhelmed in their research. So she created the Science Grad School Coach to help support researchers and help them learn exactly how to complete their research with more confidence and less effort. Isn't that something we all want, (laughs) Elena? (laughs) Welcome, and and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So yeah, I started the Science Grad School Coach um, mainly after uh, I started being a postdoc and I really wanted to help other people with their research and realizing like how much I struggled when I first got started in grad school and Mm -hmm. then wanting to like having to learn it by trial and error and wanting to like kind of not have that happen for everyone else. So that's kind of why I started um, this business, this brand to, you know, help other people with Mm -hmm. research and then being able to like develop those skills. And then once you're out of your PhD or schooling, like, those skills are just as important in most, um, like whether you're in academic or an in industry, research skills can be very important for a lot of different jobs. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> no, and it's funny because it's kind of the, 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 the mission statement of Papa PhD too. And it, it stems from the same thing is, hmm, I hit some snags during my path. I don't want other people to, to hit the same snags. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I was going to ask if you had something to add, like one or two things to add about who Elena is based on what I said in the beginning, but, uh, you know, you can integrate that in whatever you were going to say also. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So I got my um, PhD in analytical chemistry Mm -hmm. in 2019. I started in 2016, graduated 2019. um, And I specifically focused on mass spectrometry research. Okay. And then afterwards, I went and did um, a postdoc in biology, so very different than what I did my PhD in. 
And that was like really important transition there. And then um, I became a research specialist specifically doing like proteomics and metabolomics work. So I kind of went back into mass spectrometry after that. Um, So yeah, I've kind of been in like multiple different fields and disciplines with research and, you know, kind of having to relearn a field and do all of those things over and over again and being able to market yourself and saying, okay, I know your field is different than mine, but I can actually be good at this job Mm -hmm. um, and things like that. Excellent. So you just used the word marketing. And um, and if there's one thing that I can tell, like for sure that I uh, was not taught during grad school was marketing myself. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Is that one of the the things that uh, people who you work with, uh, that that, is, is that one of the big challenges? Learning to to have to say, look, I'm good at this and this, and I can be useful here and here, uh, versus just focusing on on your skills. Yeah. So when I started, like throughout my entire PhD, like I think maybe a couple times people were like, yeah, you need to learn how to market yourself, and like that was hmm. the extent of the advice given in that. <laughs> you um, need so, to, okay? <laughs> yeah. So like, I was really, really bad at it, um, and I. I think I just kind of learned it a little bit through like intuition, like being able to respond to people's questions and be like, okay, well, I might not have that exact skill, but I know how to do this and it Mm -hmm. relates. And so that was kind of how I learned it. And then when I actually started building this brand, I had to learn a lot about marketing so that someone actually knows who I am so I can actually help people. Um, And I think now that I've kind of retroactively applied what I've learned in building a brand to how to kind of brand yourself and market yourself, the the skills there are very similar. And it's important that people actually know about you if they're going to hire you and mm-hmm. know the things that you want them to know and what you're actually capable of. And so having to like learn that, I definitely didn't get that in grad school. And I think when I was first applying, I didn't, you know, get a lot of great feedback in my applications initially. And I've kind of had to learn that, um, through actually marketing a brand and then kind of taking that back and mm-hmm. marketing myself. So a question for you is mm-hmm. because um, in the thinking of, of, and I finished my PhD in 2010, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit earlier, <laughs> but um, you know, people might have said, why are you doing this? Uh, this is not necessary. So in your opinion, what is the upside of focusing some of your time into learning how to market yourself, even if you're in grad school? What what can it be useful for? Yeah, so I think starting in grad school to learn how to market yourself, how to get some form of presence and things, it's really useful for anything you want to do during grad school or even after grad school. So, so like I think we talk about this a lot in like networking. Like everyone mm-hmm. knows it's important to go network, which I was also really really bad at in grad school. But I remember. Um, there was this, so a lot of my initial research was based on someone else's um, kind of, they did some initial stuff and then I kind Mm -hmm. of continued it completely different lab and everything. And I was like, so scared to go talk to these people. And at a conference, that person ended up coming up to me and was like talking to me and like, we've actually like kept in touch. And he was like, oh yeah, we're not pursuing that anymore. So like, I'm glad someone is and stuff like that. And it's like making (laughs) sure that even as a grad student, you're portraying what you want to portray. You're Mm -hmm. easily able to be found. If someone sees you at a conference and was like, she might know the answer to this, then they know they have a way to find you to start that conversation. And then what you're basically creating contacts and then they might recommend you for to someone else who's looking for something. And Mm -hmm. so it's like marketing is really just being like, this is what I'm capable of. This is what I'm good at. I want to let other people know about this so that if I can help them, whether it's you know, through a job, through a brand or anything, if I can help them, I want to make sure that people know about me so that I can get those jobs. I can get that, be able to help people. Mm. So it's, it's super interesting because now having a you know a YouTube channel and a podcast, yeah. I keep, now I'm trying, you know, learning things. I keep learning things to, to learn how to do this the right way. And one of the things you hear about is discoverability and findability. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to me that you're talking about the exact same thing, yes. but in terms of being a young researcher, yep. of being discoverable, being findable. What are things that, that you've uh, learned that people can do to 
to be more findable, to be more discoverable as a young scientist, when usually you feel like, oh, I still don't know anything. Mm -hmm. I'm no one. Uh, you know, these people, like you said, I am afraid to even talk to them because they're so, you know, mm -hmm. they're so big or important in my field. Right. How does that work in the, in practice? Yeah. So I think like a lot of the similar things that you kind of learn in building a brand. So like you said, in a YouTube channel, right? Like, so social media is a huge thing, right? So like, I love when I'm on Twitter and I see people going, here's my new paper. Like, this is what I did, right? And then I always like retweet those because there's someone else that might not find that paper for four to mm -hmm. six months that could be finding it today, could be helping their research. And potentially they're like, oh, wait, you can do this. I need this in my lab. Are mm -hmm. you ready to graduate? Can you come postdoc or can you you know, get this job or something like that. And so I think discoverability, I um, believe in like having a website as a grad student. So that was not something I did, um, I but either. Yeah. Right. Like we didn't think about these things. No one at told all. us about it. Um, so having a website or at least having a very updated LinkedIn, which my LinkedIn is not updated. I'm going to be honest. It's not. <laughs> um, it was when I was on the job market, but now that I'm not, I haven't quite updated it yet. Um, but at least having a place where you can direct people and say, this is kind of my tangible experience. Um, and so I know um, Brittany Trin on Twitter and Instagram, I think she mm -hmm. does a lot about helping um, grad students get a website up. That's really simple to be able to market their skills. And so that would be a good connection on like, if you're trying to get a website up, but then creating some form of online presence and continuing that presence in person. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> especially like with virtual conference right now, it's like sort of in person, but not really. Right. Um, so I, you know, I think creating at least one form of social media can be really good to just be like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm capable of, but you can mm -hmm. do it in the most natural way. So that instead of people, when they see a CV and just see, okay, this, they can actually like find you through different sources and be like, oh, wait, like this is who she is as a person. And I think that because I think personalities, like people look for personalities, like they look for yeah. skills, but they also look for personalities. And that's not what we're taught as PhD students. We're taught you got to have the most publications. you got to have all these skills. And that's the only way to get these jobs. Mm -hmm. But then you go and look and like most of my questions I got asked in interview were more about like, what is my personality? How do I relate to other people? And so if you can showcase that and just be an authentic person, you might just find that those job opportunities are actually coming to you um, mm -hmm. instead of because you're discoverable, right? If someone's searching for something, maybe they stumble upon your Twitter or people are retweeting it and someone else finds it. And academic science Twitter is a huge thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, did that answer your question? Sorry. It, it did. It is. It's awesome. And actually Twitter is one of the, the you know, the least uh, difficult ones to hop into because yes. there's not, not too much commitment. Building a website, you know, depending on what type of, of project you're on and mm -hmm. how intensive it is, it could be, the bar could be a little bit high for yeah. for that. Although I would say any time invested in that is very well invested mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, you know, and maybe worth uh, losing some, you know, <laughs> losing some time on something else to, to do that. So what I'm hearing is as a young researcher, you are beginning to be a content creator. It's, yeah. it's scientific content. You need to be discovered. Now, in my case, I, I remember that if, if I had wanted to do that, there, there would have been stuff that I was working on that I would not have been able to publish for you right. know, reasons. Are there, are there workarounds? You know, can you still be present if, for example, you're working on something that you know another group is working and you can't really talk exactly about your research? Is there another way in your experience to be present if that's the case for you? Because I imagine it's the case for a bunch of people, especially I, I remember in my domain, uh, life sciences, it, it can happen a lot. Yeah, I think, you know, you always want to kind of be protective of data that's unpublished, right? And I think we always, you don't want other people seeing that data before it's got a publication and it's cited to the right sources and everything. But I think like, if you created a website, right? Like I would include your research interest on there, maybe like past projects, but also you can, you can talk about what you're working on now, right? Like if you go to a conference, not everything there is published, right? Mm -hmm. But 
right? You may, you probably don't want to show figures or things like that, but you can talk about general interest or general like hypotheses that you're trying to say and things like that. And I think on Twitter or on my favorite social media platforms, Twitter, like if you want to connect with me, come find me on Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can be a person and talk about, oh, I found this really cool fact today. Like I want to share it or stuff like that. And then other people are going to be like, oh, she's like learning and stuff like that. And she's in a nearby field to mine or something like that. Um, So I think just like being an authentic person um, in what you share. And then also, you know, just if you can't share your specific results yet, cause it's not published, like that's fine. You can still talk about interesting things in your field or even sharing other people's stuff that's in your field and being like, Ooh, this is an interesting take on that. Um, I think all of that kind of helps you to become discoverable. And then as you get mm-hmm. later into your PhD or whatever, you know, schooling you're in, um, like hopefully you'll have like some things published or at least you'll be able to talk a little bit more broadly about like what you're doing or what you found, or at least like techniques that, you know, or research skills that, you know. Mm-hmm. And now this is making, makes me think of, because you were talking about your example and you said that, you know, at the beginning in grad school, you didn't have any skills on that side, mm-hmm. but then eventually you developed them. W- what was the path towards you learning these skills and, and actually maybe an example of using them and, and having an aha moment of, oh, I did this and this interview went so so differently than the previous one. Yeah. So uh, can I give like two examples? Oh, sure. Think sure, really sure. Interesting. Okay. So when I, so I was in a postdoc um, and then I actually started looking for jobs because my postdoc funding was ending. And there were two different, there were a lot of jobs I applied to, but I had two interviews and both of those interviews were like, one was a Thursday, one was a Friday. Um, So they were like happening at the same time. One was for industry and it was on like protein biochemistry, which I had never done. And one was like a postdoc that was uh, in like my field. So doing mass Mm -hmm. spectrometry work. And it was really interesting because like I had been developing these skills and I had to market myself in two completely different ways. And so when I was in this one interview for industry and I was, you know, talking through and having to learn to like ask questions that kind of showed my personality and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And we were like talking and I was like, I also had to learn like whenever you're like interviewing, when they ask you a question, like, give an answer to that question and then share an example or a a story about Mm -hmm. that answer to the question. Because like people remember stories, we learn through stories. Of course. And one of the things I was like talking and I was like, yeah, I'm really interested. And I was like, but honestly, I don't have a lot of experience in this technique. And they were like, you have clearly shown, you know, how to do research. We can teach you the technique. That's not the problem. (laughs) Like we, I want a PhD who's going to be able to do research be able to solve problems. I can teach you any technique after that. Hmm. So that was like a light bulb that went off in my head in that I don't need to know every single thing on a job listing because I have a fundamental skill that as long as I can show that I can do that skill, people are willing to teach me what I don't know. Hmm. Then on the other side, like the postdoc, I had all the skills. And so I had to kind of market myself because it was like applied to a slightly different thing, which Everything that Mm -hmm. I've ever done showed that I didn't have a ton of interest in that thing. So I had to actually market my interest in that interview and be like, you know, I'm mainly interested in the fundamental analytical chemistry. And I don't like I love applying that to any problem. Right. So it was having to market, you know, that I am actually a good fit for the role because of my interest in it. And Mm -hmm. I actually got both. Uh, job offers. So, oh wow, <laughs> yeah. So it was like a really interesting time. Um, but yeah, like that's having to learn what do you need to be marketing at that time. And even when I didn't think I was marketing, like I didn't think I was like, I never in the first interview, I never was like, oh yeah, these are all my research skills. I just you know had this authentic personality, and I was like, oh yeah, this is what I know about this, and they could see through that that I had these research skills and that I was capable of that. Mm-hmm. This is super interesting because I think now you're talking even of the next step, which is applying mm-hmm. whichever efforts you've been you've been developing of of marketing yourself 
which in a way means having stories to tell about about your right. your, your your journey mm-hmm. and your your re- journey as a researcher but you 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 went to the point where now you have people you need to talk about to talk to about this in different spaces so you need to tailor Yes. The way you're going to talk to them, it's super, super interesting. And it's interesting that you got both offers. So clearly you you prepared well for both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think like that was because I had to give a presentation in both interviews and they were back to back. Okay. And when I, it was like a research presentation. So I like gave a mix of like my PhD defense plus a little bit for my postdoc. And when I was like going through it, my first practice run, I tried to create the same presentation. And then I was like, okay, I'll just make quick tailors to the two different things. And when I was going through my practice run, I was like, I can't even get through this practice because like I went about it all wrong. Like I need to create a presentation with the audience in mind because right, like one, I'm talking to mass spectrometrists who know all about this. And the other one, I'm talking to people who don't know anything about mass spectrometry. So I'm like, this is just wrong. So I like, I, and it was like, overall, it was probably small tweaks that I had to make, but it was several of them. And it was the approach I went into it. It's the, and I think like, that's so important in everything you're doing, whenever you're submitting to a journal, applying to a job, anything like that, you have to keep your reader in mind and you have to Mm -hmm. tailor what you're doing to them. So you can have an authentic presence, you know, in your LinkedIn, in your social media, when you go to conferences, you have an authentic presence, right? But then when you're in those individualized events, or you're submitting to something specific, you have to tailor that presence to what they need to know and to what they're Mm going to be comfortable with. Because if you talk above them, they're just going to be like, okay, I didn't catch anything. So making Mm -hmm. that tailoring is so important in everything you do with marketing yourself. Super interesting. Now, and, and it, it makes total sense to me. Now, one thing that I that I'm because I'm I've been I think it's changing, especially because of this podcast thing. But I, I'm uh, I'm going to say I, I've been an introvert more than maybe I am today. I think now that I can say ambivert, and there's different ways you can talk about it. But in the past, I've had moments where I've had to learn, and in jobs that I had even before the PhD. To how to be in front of an audience mm-hmm. who even could be hostile at that point in in that in that in that uh, in that job, but at least that that I you know that I don't know that doesn't know me, and it, it wasn't easy at first. And I wonder whether through these years uh, you also had something you did to go from uh, the Elena during grad school to the Elena at first postdoc, second second postdoc in terms of learning how to present yourself, learning how to, um, yeah, how to act, how to express yourself and how to be in a setting where the people in front of you might be evaluating you in any, any sort of way. Yeah. So I would say that the Elena today is very different than uh, grad school Elena. Um, <laughs> even though that was like, what, two years ago. Um, so I'm also very introverted Um, and I think, I think the biggest thing that has like changed how I perceive things is starting this brand and having to do Mm -hmm. something that was so outside my comfort zone. Um, but when I was in grad school, I was like a huge, my mentality was the whole hustle culture. Like when I first started grad school, I was like, okay, 12 hour days, like, this is awesome. I'm going to be a scientist, all of this stuff. Right. And I think like going through grad school, I started realizing, okay, this isn't as cool. Um, And I started realizing how to do research. So I started spending less time in that. And when I started spending less time in my research, I started spending more time figuring out who I was because I was really, really uncomfortable with who I was in grad school. And Mm -hmm. so by the time I graduated grad school, I was you know, kind of figuring out myself, but I was still like, I I literally left the day after I graduated grad school, drove across the country and started my postdoc three days later. So like still kind of a little wholesale. I've gotten better (laughs) since then. Um, And then things had happened where, because I wanted to be faculty, right? Like I wanted to have a lab. I, I am like, it was like such a dream because I thought, you know, my entire 
Like I wanted my students in my lab to like never have to feel inadequate because I was going to give them all the training they needed to do their Mm. research and it was going to be awesome. And things outside of my control basically made that path impossible. So I had to really come back to what do I love? What do I want to do with my life? Um, And that really made me want to slow down and want to really figure out myself and Then I made the switch from wanting to give the answers I thought people wanted to giving my real self. And so I, that was like the biggest switch between when I started my postdoc. And then when I did those interviews I talked about earlier, Mm because I was just like, this is who I am. And if you don't like who I am, then I'm probably not going to like working for you. And that switch was such a huge thing for me because like you might not like my brand and that's perfectly fine because I'm probably not going to be the best person to help you if you don't like my brand, but I'm going to be me. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such the same thing. Like I think every scientist is basically an entrepreneur, right? They come up with an idea, they work on that idea and their whole goal is to either understand something or help people, right? Like Mm -hmm. that is being an entrepreneur. So when you show up authentically as yourself, And you're going to grow and develop over time. So your authentic self is actually going to change over time. But if you're authentically you, you're going to start getting the experiences and the jobs and the offers that actually match with you and make you happy overall. And so I think Mm. that's like the biggest thing that changed from grad school me to like now me, if that makes sense. (laughs) It does make sense. Uh, I want to apologize. I, I have a button here with which I can mute my mic because my neighbor seems to be hammering something into the wall. So there might be some <laughs> something that comes into the recording, but we'll see. We'll see if if uh, luck uh, if we're lucky. But um, it, it makes total sense, and it's there's part of it. Part of it is practice, I imagine, because even Elena today and Elena one year ago, you can see for sure. You can I'm sure you can see differences. But there, there's there's definitely a question of, my, of mindset, change mm-hmm. of mindset, right? You, you said it at this moment where I understood that I just had to be myself and that, you know, because this way I, I wouldn't be, you didn't say it like that, but you, you don't want to be setting false expectations mm-hmm. in the people who, who want to hire you. And once you f- you kind of fall into that, that meanness and, and that, that that's what's important, uh, it, it it can be kind of a, a whole change in uh, in perspective that can even change the way you interact with people for sure. Yeah, uh, I agree. It's not easy though for 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 everyone to find that voice, right? No, I mean it wasn't easy for me, right? Like I was, oh, I was so like if you went go back on my channel and watch like my very first videos, they are so bad, and I leave them up there. <laughs> I wanted to take them down so many times, and I leave them up there primarily <laughs> because. If anyone else that like wants to start this journey, I feel like they need to know like people who, you know, have a following now have actually like have people that they're helping. Like we didn't start where we are now. And Mm -hmm. I think that's such a huge thing because like my, my videos are bad. And even like six months into it, they got worse before they got better. (laughs) Right. Like that's just the reality. Like I I didn't know how to work a camera. Like it's just bad, but I think it's like one, I think they were helpful. Right. And they show my journey and my Mm -hmm. journey even existed before my channel. Right. And so I think it's, I think extroverted people tend to have a little bit easier time just showing themselves Mm -hmm. where like, like I second guess, like everything I say pretty much. Um, and I like, I always I can have, identify. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I always have like so much, like, I, like even this podcast, I was like, okay, an hour before I was like, okay, let's ramp up the anxiety. Right. <laughs> um, and that's just like, <laughs> right. Like that's who I am, but I've kind of learned to embrace who I am. And I think that comes mm-hmm. in so many different things. Like one of the things is embracing the fact that like, I'm a super night owl and I always used okay. to be like, okay, Elena, like successful Elena will figure out a way to wake up at 7am and like get her life together. And that's just like not who I am. It's not happening. (laughs) And so it, and so when you're going against who you are, because you think that's, what's going to make you successful, you tend to just keep falling even farther and farther behind. Where as soon as you embrace who you really are and go, okay, that job, even though I meet all the qualifications, I know I'm going to be miserable in it. So I'm going to go for the job that 
even if I don't meet all of those qualifications, I know I can do good. Like I know I can be trained and I know I can do well in it. And that's going to come across in your application. That's going to come across in your interview. Like go for those jobs, even if it's not like, oh, I fit all of the qualifications for it. Like FYI, most people who start as an entrepreneur do not fill all of the qualifications as an entrepreneur. No, and, and yeah, anyone you know that that uh, that is applying to a job also mm -hmm. don't expect that you know if there's a couple of bullet points in there that you you simply don't fit into, you know that's just indicative of what the organization wants of what right. you know of, of 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 the needs of the team or the project, but uh, you know you're you're. You can't, you know, it's really hard to fit in all the little, mm -hmm. you know, the little uh, bits and pieces that, that they ask. So, yeah, don't put your, the, the pressure on yourself or even sometimes don't uh, how can I say, lose the opportunity of applying mm -hmm. to something just because you're not the perfect candidate. No one is. And uh, and who knows, maybe you you actually are just because of your story, because of, of your interests. And, and that only shows once you go and interview and see the right. people. And and uh, this question of stories, especially if you are, are more of an introvert, there's, it takes some work preparing them too. And I and mm -hmm. I think you probably help people with that. I want to ask about your experience working with people in in. And actually, I'm going to share the link for your podcast, sciencegradschoolcoach.com/slash/podcast. I think what you said. Uh, and you've mentioned actually brand a couple of times, although we we didn't talk specifically about branding. One thing that's important to me, at least about this conversation, is that looking at the time where I was in grad school, first, we didn't talk about that. Branding, your branding as a grad student, right. it wasn't a thing. But even today, I feel that there might be, and it depends also in different labs, different cultures, you know, different countries even, there can be um, kind of a, people can balk at the expression mm -hmm. because it sounds... Selly, it sounds yep. commercially, uh, but I, I think some, you know, you may not want to be selling things for your profession, mm -hmm. but there's good things in marketing, in 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 industry, and in sales that you can use to your advantage, mm -hmm. uh, and I think this is one of them. You, you know, learning how to uh, kind of advocate for yourself in the professional sphere, I think it's a positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I and I think it's a really important point that you made. Yeah, I think when I first got into like a brand, I was like, I'm not going to do marketing because um, I didn't want to be like the salesy person, right? I was like, There you go. I'm not going to do marketing. <laughs> I'm just going to create things, and then the people will find them and yeah, build a better mousetrap, right? Right. And I think like, and that's something that kind of makes me really sad about kind of academia and scientist, right? Because we do the exact same thing when we publish papers, right? Like we publish our papers and we're like, okay, I did my job. Um, and I think when you switch from marketing being about sales to marketing being about how can I help people and be in the right space at the right time. And that's really what it should be about, right? Like my whole brand is about helping people. If mm -hmm. I'm not going to help you, like don't come to me, right? Like mm -hmm. I want, I'm here to help people. And that's what it should be about in the end is just making sure that, and that's the same thing as a scientist. Like if you're going to do all the work, publish the paper, right? Like you should want that paper to be helping people, to be getting to mm -hmm. the people who need it. And the journal isn't always going to do that for you. Someone searching Google Scholar is not always going to find it. And so it is on you to kind of, promote it, right? It's on you to be like, hey, to anyone who needs this, this is what I did. This is what I'm, you know, this is how I can help people. Hey, if you have questions, let me know. Like, I'd love to start a conversation about it and things like that. And so mm -hmm. when we think of it like that, I think it changes what marketing kind of feels like. Yeah, so, I agree. I agree totally. And uh, and same, same thing also, if you are, um, let's say, marketing yourself and promoting your brand as a candidate for positions, mm -hmm. same thing. You want to show whichever lab that you're going to be a helpful element mm -hmm. of their team. So it's kind of the same. The, the same, exact same thing. Yeah. Same thing. 
Yeah. Now, uh, about science grad school coach. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you, f- from the experience you have, if there are uh, like things that come up, you know, uh, repeatedly, like people who come uh, first, do people come to you? Do you, do you, uh, how does that, how does it work? Do you, uh, um, how can I say, offer services through universities, uh, departments, uh, or, or is it just around you that, that you do that? I'm just curious of how, how, yeah. how it works, how the concept works. So um, science grad school coach is mainly to help uh, people learn how to do research. Um, so even from the beginning, developing skills um, to okay. create ideas, like how do you find novel ideas? How do you create a research plan, collect your data? How do you write papers? Um, mm-hmm. Things like that. So I actually don't work through any universities right now or anything like that. It's something that I would love to do in the future, but I haven't quite made those connections yet. Um, So I primarily, so if you go to the link below, um, there's two different guides that you can sign up to get. So the first one's a 30-day research jumpstart guide. It helps you if you're just starting in your research um, to be able to develop those ideas and start collecting data in 30 days. And then the second one is a scientific paper checklist. And so right now I have two basic courses that kind of help uh, students who want to work through it um, basically based off those guides. So it goes more in depth, gives you things like worksheets and other things to really help you build more and and develop those research skills. So that's where I am right now with how I help people. Um, I also do coaching services primarily for scientific writing. Um, So that's kind of what the science grad school wrote coach brand is right now eventually i would love to do like workshops for students through universities and things like yeah. that um but that's kind of future plan and i'm not quite there yet yeah so people come directly to you basically that's, yeah. that's what happens and um so okay my question then becomes what do when people knock at your door mm-hmm. is there like uh, like two or three things that commonly they they they're they're saying this thing is not working for me. I'm not. I'm not being able to hone this skill. Is there is there like pain points that are typical that, that you could say? Yeah. So I find the two biggest pain points, which is why I have my two guides, is the first one I get probably most often is like, I don't know how to write this paper. Like how like how I have data. <laughs> I know I need a published yeah. paper, but like bridging that gap Can't is just so, so difficult. And like, I totally get it because when I, when I was in grad school and I wrote my first paper, like I tell the story all the time, but I went to a Starbucks for eight hours one day to try and write this paper. And I kept <laughs> looking at paper after paper, looking at the introduction and how do you write this? Um, and I wrote one paragraph <laughs> in eight hours and it was awful. Like I ended up deleting it later because it was so bad. And so that was like a skill that I had to develop and analyzing how I did things and stuff like that. So I eventually created that into a guide and into a course so that like now I can write papers in like a weekend, you know, four hours and I can write a paper, you know, data to paper. Um, So that's one of the biggest pain points that I see people come. And then the second one is I don't know how to create an idea, Mm -hmm. right? Like So in science, I would say that initially your like advisor tends to give you your first initial project. And then after that, you kind of need to create your own ideas. And when I started grad school, I was terrified about creating an idea. I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't do that. Like that seems so hard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I was, and like, I think the fear is a lot in our heads. And I think I had to realize that I always had this connection that a research idea meant a research product. Like I, like I felt like I needed to make something right. And so mm-hmm. having to like switch to be like, okay, I need a question that I'm answering and how do I figure out if that's novel and publishable? And so I, and like I'm in Facebook groups all the time and people are like, please give me a research idea in this. And I'm like, let's develop the skills so that you can, so like now, like I can probably on command, you can give me a topic I know about. I'm like, Oh, here's a question. Go, go research that. Right. And it's mm-hmm. about just developing that skill of, can I create a research idea? And that, I think those are the two biggest pain points I see when people, mm-hmm. you know, contact me and are like, can you please help me with this? Um, so yeah. 
Well, I would have liked to have met you, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of years ago, because definitely it's it's um, if you've never, uh, yeah, you've never done it when you start graduate school. Usually, right. depending, some people come out of masters with and, and who are lucky with also the the supervision they got and the the opportunities they had right. to, to to do research. But it's it's. Um, it can be daunting to mm-hmm. have this this blank page and it's you don't it's not just creative writing it's about the science right. and, and also finding a new question can be scary mm-hmm. too in that in that uh, in that sense um i, I find that that's super super interesting especially for people who are starting yeah yeah now uh the other question um that that i have for you uh has to do uh, with um you know y- your your personal experience. Um, we've talked about your experience as a candidate, mm-hmm. how that evolved, but as uh, someone who is helping others. So a lot of people that I, you know, in this link in the academic Twitter, academic mm-hmm. LinkedIn, there's so much good will of people out there who want to give back and help. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, this podcast is, is, Hopefully, and I I, I, th- I like to to think of it like that as part of this universe of of the people who have gone through grad school and want to help people. Um, but yeah, how has that impacted your view or your life as a researcher? The fact that now you're also helping people who you who are you know lacking some sort of knowledge maybe but also who maybe just need to have some pep talk yeah. or who just need to learn to to kind of value them, themselves or be able to ex- at least express their value in a different way it's um, it's not every researcher that has that experience yeah so i think having gone and actually like worked with people and been like okay you know let's work through your struggles and things like that i think it really kind of changes your view both in how you help people and then also like in how you do research. And I think particularly in how you want to, okay, there's a couple different thoughts happening at one time. Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead. Um, Take your time. (laughs) Like one thought is, and I, you know, if people are out there and are in their PhD, like think about this with me, because if you are later in your PhD and you're working with someone else, one thing you'll realize is how far you've actually come. And I think a lot of times we feel, we always look, a lot of us are future paced, right? We're always like, mm-hmm. oh, I, have so, I, I can't wait till graduation. I can't wait till all of this. Yeah. And then you go and you work with someone who's like, because I was at one point, like, I was like, okay, what, what's a mass spectrometer? Like, I, I don't know, right? <laughs> and I'm over here, like, explaining it to people and, like, having no issues with that. And so that's such an important thing to realize is even if you're early stage, like, you didn't know what you know now two months ago. And so mm-hmm. I think that's always so important is to realize that you are growing as a researcher throughout the entire process. Um, even though you may feel like you're lacking and having imposter syndrome, like it is a training position. You are growing through that. But I also think it kind of makes you always think about how to break everything down into its simplest form. Um, so whenever you're doing something like now I always think, how would I explain this to someone else? Mm -hmm. And like, that's just like an automatic trigger. Right. And I'm like, okay, if I'm doing this, how do I, how do I break it down so that, and like, that also helps you, but then it helps you to be able to explain it. And really like a lot of times it makes you seem like an expert when you like, still don't feel like an expert. Like Mm -hmm. I don't feel like an expert in a lot of things. Right. But it's like, I know I can like look at something and be like, okay, what you need to do is answer these two or three questions and then we're going to mold it into this. Um, So I feel like that's definitely changed how I am as a researcher. And I think it's also changed like how I view failure Um, Mm -hmm. because like, obvious, I would never say I'm a perfectionist, but I don't like to fail. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think being able to teach other people and stuff like that and realizing like, Failure is just, it's just moving forward one step, right? Like, you know how not to do it now. And so, but I also think being a researcher has drastically improved how I work in my business because 
And in that same point of failure is like, now when I do things in my business, I see them as experiments, right? So mm -hmm. if something doesn't have the, if I, the data I get from something isn't that great, okay, that's giving me more information so that I can make the best product possible in the end. Mm -hmm. No, I, I love it. And it, it, I think it's interesting. I, I think um, mentorship, because you found a way to, in the end, uh, include mentorship in your life as a researcher in a way. And yeah. I don't know if, if it makes sense to you. And, uh, and I, I feel that um, given the way universities and large universities are and large research groups are built mm -hmm. finding mentorship can be difficult yeah and 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 i find it great that someone like you is out there saying look i can help you in this and in this and this thing these things will help you then first find your value and grow as a researcher yeah. and, and i don't know I, i i wish i had um uh, i had had uh, some some one to play that role uh, in that way uh and and so i really really like your your project and the and the, the the fact that you're pursuing that um and the the second thing that i found that i found really inspiring in this conversation and it's kind of, we were kind of reaching the end but it is to see that in these few years because you said it it's not too long ago yeah <laughs> you've kind of showed this maturation of elena you know from The graduate student, introverted, not able really to 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 present her brand and to promote herself and to be findable and, and visible to to learning how to do it and to eventually come to the point of now I can teach other people how to do it and I just love I just love this this kind of nice kind of arc of, of a story. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Go go ahead. Ahead. No, I was going to say and 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 again I think. Given the the time frame, this is just the beginning, and I mm -hmm. and I'm sure you're going to be able to develop the business even even more, and and eventually, possibly working with universities and offering it at another scale to to people yeah. out there. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it, and I think you know talking about like my journey from like now then to now like even me being on this podcast is like a huge step because like I never wanted to reach out. I was like, oh, when I'm of value, they'll reach out to me. <laughs> right. And I think we like kind of think of that as like academics too, right? Like we don't go after the awards. We don't go after all this stuff. We're like, when I'm a value though, and it's like, they may love you, no. but they don't know you exist. Um, exactly. So like, that's such a huge thing. And when you feel like you're not developing or anything like that, like just look back like a year or two years and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I am such a different person now. <laughs> and I am so thankful for that. And so Yeah, I think I think it's just such a it's it's a, been a crazy journey, um, but I'm really interested in seeing how it kind of develops from now. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'll be interested in seeing how it develops too, because I think it's a it's a good it's a good project and and uh, it's uh, noble. And uh, yeah, I, I I do want to be to to witness it grow. Now, Elena, uh, yeah, sadly we're we're really reaching the end of the interview. Uh, I don't know if if there was if there's anything you want to uh, before you know sharing maybe your your Twitter handle. Mm -hmm. If there's something coming up on your side that you want to promote, um, because we'll, I'm going to put your 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 site here again, and I will share the link in the show notes, sciencegradschoolcoach.com forward slash podcast. But it'll be in the show notes anyway, if you weren't able to take note. But is there something on your side you want to promote? Yeah. So if you uh, just go to that site um, and get my guides, it'll uh, get you on my email list. So you'll be able to know anytime something's coming out uh, for anything like that. Um, there's not specifically anything I'm promoting uh, right now, but you can always get my um, free guides at the, at the link. Perfect. And now one last thing. If uh, there's someone who's listening who maybe feels a little bit invisible uh feels uh that you know they're not you know they've started their phd but they, they don't feel that they've like uh grown into it yet is there a, a word of encouragement or an exercise or something that you can share with them in this last minute to kind of help them you know uh, uh you know find their the find their value and also see things maybe in a more positive mindset? I will say 
if you feel like that, if you feel like you're invisible, and I think like the biggest thing, if you feel like you're lost, you're inadequate, or if you don't belong, I was you five years ago, right? Yeah, like I I was you. I felt like everyone else had it together and I didn't. Um, and what I've come to realize is no one has it together. We're all figuring it out as we go along. And in a year, you won't like you won't remember how you feel right now and you'll feel like you'll feel the same thing in a year from now. Right. Which like is not very like motivating, but I think it's also the power in it. Right. There's nothing you could have done to feel differently right now. You, you just like, this is how you feel because you're on this journey. And so I think recognizing that it's not a reflection of who you are or whether you belong or not, it's just because you're doing something new and all of us feel like we shouldn't be here when we're doing something new, where we feel like we should be here when we're super confident and we've been doing it for 10 years. Um, and I think that's just, it's just showing that you're growing and you're going into something. Um, I don't know if that's like the motivation people want. No, no. Well, but I think it's it's very realistic and it's very sound uh, motivation. It's a growing process mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. It's funny, I'm a biologist, so I'm thinking of kind of bones growing or teeth coming out or whatever. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's an unknown until they pop out and then they, they're still growing. They're, they still can't, can do their work very well in the first, you know, when they first come out. <laughs> I don't know if it's a really good metaphor. It's painful but, when it, they're like first coming out. It's painful. You're, you're just going through growing pains. Like that's what it is. Thank you, Elena, for making my metaphor work. <laughs> we got this. And so I think one one last thing that I want to say is, and and tell me, uh, Elena, if people were touched or you know or something resonated during our conversation, I think they can reach out to you. And you said it; it's on Twitter mostly, right? Yeah, Twitter is the easiest way to contact me. Um, so it's at Cy Grad Coach S C I Grad and then Coach. Um, shortened so yeah feel free to reach out to me there um i check my messages fairly regularly um so you can always tweet me or message me there yeah and um yeah for people who are just listening on the podcast i can tell you elena is a very smiley and you know warm person don't be afraid of reaching out to her and uh to share your story to learn more about hers you know, and or to just just say thank you for for sharing something that that resonated during the conversation, Elena. Thank you so much uh, for for having been on Papa PhD. This was a great conversation, and I'm so uh, and, glad. Uh, hey. yeah, and uh, inspiring. And um, I think people, especially people who are starting, finding themselves, finding their pace, finding their voice in in, in graduate school or in research, they're going to have a lot of nuggets to to bring home from our conversation and from what you shared. Yay! So thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a great conversation. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas, and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests.